Hey, this is HK Perrin, and you're listening to Echoplex Media. Check out the Intellectual Dollar Tree live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. We're going to push and push and push. You will always back up. Uh, not appropriate. Read it to the lyrics, so let the parties will quench your thirst. As long as you 
everybody. Welcome to the Plex. Welcome podcast listeners. Welcome live viewers. And if anybody's over there on the IceCast, uh, welcome as well. We do the show live every Sunday, 7 p.m. Pacific, right here on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. If you're listening to this on the podcast, make sure you're following this and all of our other podcasts. You can just type Echoplex Media into your podcatcher of choice. If you find that one of our podcasts isn't on your podcatcher, let me know. I'll be happy to yell at them. Anyway, um, you can support this project by going to echoplexmedia.com. Click the support tab. The best way is probably our swag shop and memberships because fourth wall is the shit. And uh, I'm producer Dave. You can find me on Grinder. This is what the people want. Police officers, they've gone insane. I don't hate the cops. And there's a person inside when the truncheon stops. Oh, don't hate the cops. Oh, when the raiders come, who will protect the shops? Don't hate the cops. They're a sensitive bunch. If you don't stop throwing your rocks, snap, crackle, pop. It's the sound of a taser. Your body drops. Don't hate the cops. Oh, don't hate the cops. Don't hate the cops. Oh, don't hate the cops. Like your local police. Cause they don't do nothing wrong Like your local police Got rid of the corruption And the racism is gone They've been keeping the peace Keeping homeless folks out of the parks and malls Got a cure for your social disease Follow the law, don't hate the cops Follow the law, don't hate the cops Follow the law, don't hate the cops First clip tonight is of the former former guy, the former president of the United States, and he is uh, not too happy with the folks over at a uh, Forbes magazine. This is now a Forbes magazine stand podcast. Could never figure out why they just keep writing bad about Trump. No matter how good I'm doing, they write bad. 
It's a China propaganda machine exposed. It's been exposed now. We just found out about it. And it's been a horrible thing for our country. Who's been smarter and tougher in China than me? Nobody. So no wonder they do that. They paid the United States under me billions and billions of dollars. No other president's gotten literally 10 cents. Despite it all, I don't think that President Xi will be very happy with them. They're really bad news. It's a terrible group of people, some horrible writers. They have really <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So their uh, propaganda outfit for the Chinese Communist Party, but also Trump's good friend, President Xi, is going to be fucking pissed off at them. Very untalented writers. But again, very untalented writers. What are you talking about my blog now? Now, finally, I find out why. Because it's owned and operated by China. That's not the same thing. That's not good. <laughs> I don't think Forbes is owned uh, by China. Are there, Chi are there Chinese nationals who maybe have uh, uh, investments in the parent company of Forbes magazine? Sure, why not? I, I would be willing to believe that. In fact, it's probably true. But China doesn't own Forbes magazine. Here's more, um, here's more of the former guy. This time he's talking about uh, what, what I believe he's describing a cabal of Republicans that are against him. So this ought to be fun. It's that are losing by 57 to 70 points are getting together with Rhino Paul Ryan, Mitt the Loser Romney, Bill No Guts or No Talent Bar, and some broken political investors that will soon come to me, as most others already have. These failed candidates should have started by campaigning effectively, which they didn't because they really don't have the skill or the talent to do so. Romney, who today couldn't get elected dog catcher in the great state of Utah, should have beaten an absolutely failed first-term Obama. Should have beaten him very easily. If he and Rhino Paul fought as hard against Obama as they do against President Donald J. Trump, they would never have lost. They would have beaten Obama. But remember, Republicans eat their young. They really do. They eat their young. Terrible. Oh, well, that's a weird thing to say. I thought that was the liberals. Oh, but the Republicans don't harvest the adrenochrome. Statement, but it's true. And that's the problem with so many in our party. They just don't have the loyalty and the strength to stick together. They go after people who are on their side rather than the radical left Democrats that are destroying our country. These people are losers, and the Republican nation must stop following their failed ideas and policies. I mean, you're sure. I mean, there's Trump is at his best, honestly, when he's dunking on Republicans, right? Like, if you remember the 2016 uh, <laughs> debates, it was great watching him dunk on Republicans. Um, but then, unfortunately, you know, everything that happened after that was bad. <laughs> but him dunking on the Republicans during the uh, debates was pretty good, especially Jeb. Watching him dunk on Jeb was a thing of beauty. Anyway, here's that uh, prayer event for Trump. This is in New Hampshire, and uh, I think this, uh, this pastor here is going to make a big mistake here. He's going to suggest to us that uh, God is actually more powerful than uh, Donald Trump. Our merciful Heavenly Father, we come here today to hear the words of a man who has done great things, a man we love and respect, a man dedicated to making America great again a man we hope will be restored to the presidency. And yet great as his accomplishments are right now, we all have the privilege of talking to you, our father. And we know 
that even President Trump would agree that your greatness, not only in deeds, but in your very essence, is higher than his and above any man's. Oh, I don't know how the former guy would think about that. He's like, what do you mean you think God is better than I am? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how the former guy would feel about that. Because he, he, he like pandered to a, a religious audience, but he's not particularly religious and never has been. He doesn't go to church, only evokes God in like, in a political way, like in a, in a sort of a, a white Christian nationalist sort of way. I don't know if he believes that God is greater than him. I'm, I think maybe he doesn't, but we'll see. Anyway, here's a, a guy who's uh, supposedly running against Donald Trump, but doesn't have a chance. It's uh, one Mr. Ron DeSantis, and uh, sitting down with Kaylee McEnany of Fox News, and they're going to talk about politicizing the weather. Biden also said when standing here in the state of Florida, nobody intelligent can deny the impact of climate crises. I study history and they, they act like this is somehow unprecedented. It's not. This area, the Big Bend, got hit by a storm almost the exact same track in 1896 that had 125 mile per hour winds. So the idea that we've not had powerful storms until recently, that's just not factually true. I don't think that's not what anyone's saying. And so when they, that's the first thing they want to say, you have to ask, why are you trying to politicize the weather? <laughs> All right, so that's a little taste of it. And he's saying, I've studied this and I believe it because he is Ivy League trained and he is such, a, he loves to read. So he's an, an elite. He's an Ivy League elite. I've studied this. We once had a big storm. That's like the, okay, so I know I'm like preaching to the all boys choir here or whatever, but uh, climate change, the, the ideas here is that these kinds of storms that are this powerful are going to become more frequent. Not that they haven't happened before. Not that this is unprecedented. Maybe the frequency with which that we see them is unprecedented. But having to go back to fucking like the 1800s is uh, sort of makes my point for me in a way because it's been quite a, kind of a while. And I think these things are going to become more and more like regular. That we're going to have hundred mile plus hundred plus mile an hour winds in uh, hurricanes, and that's that's not going to be great. So here is a Fox News correspondent actually fact checking the claim. That uh, is, that uh, that Iran got six billion dollars from the United States, and that that went towards uh, the attack at the uh, rave in uh, in Israel. Latest, Jennifer. John, it's notable, as Lucas noted, that on the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War, the 1973 multi-front surprise attack by Egypt and Syria, that Hamas, with its Iranian backers, has decided to upend what was likely to be an historic agreement between Saudi Arabia and Israel. Middle East watchers whom I've spoken to say the purpose of this attack was to derail any peace deal between Saudi Arabia and Israel. Hamas claims to have taken dozens of Israeli soldiers and officers hostage during the incursion. The hostages have been taken back to Gaza and reportedly are being held in tunnels used by Hamas to smuggle weapons in and out of Gaza. And out of the Getty. The Israeli Defense Forces says it has retaken control of two bases infiltrated by Hamas militants, the Gaza Division Base and Kibbutz Raim. It has also carried out an airstrike on the home of the head of Hamas, Yahya Sinwar, near Khan Yunus in Gaza. Earlier today, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin spoke with his Israeli counterpart, Defense Minister Yoav Gallant. Quote, 
I am closely monitoring developments in Israel. Our commitment to Israel's right to defend itself remains unwavering, and I extend my condolences to the families of those who lost their lives in this abhorrent attack on civilians. Over the coming days, the Department of Defense will work to ensure that Israel has what it needs to defend itself and protect civilians from indiscriminate violence and terrorism. Defense Secretary Austin held a secure phone call with his top commanders, including CENTCOM Commander General Eric Carrilla and the new chairman of the Joint Chiefs this morning from the Pentagon. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and CIA Director Bill Burns were at the White House with the president this morning. Burns canceled a trip to an intelligence conference to remain in D.C. The White House and senior U.S. officials involved in monitoring the recent Iran hostage deal have pushed back on suggestions by Republican presidential candidates that the recent hostage deal that involved the release of $6 billion contributed to the Hamas attack. The $6 billion is still currently held in a Qatari bank account with U.S. Treasury oversight, I'm told. The money came from Iranian oil sales to South Korea and did not include U.S. taxpayer dollars. NSC spokesperson Adrian Watson said in a statement, quote, not a single cent from these funds has been spent. And when it is spent, it can only be spent on things like food and medicine for the Iranian people. These funds have absolutely nothing to do with the horrific attacks today. And this is not the time to spread disinformation. In fact, the U.S. has pre-positioned $2 billion worth of weapons stored in Israel. I'm told the U.S. will likely uh, release some of these pre-positioned weapons to assist Israel in the coming days. So it was like a mealy-mouthed fact check there, because she's like, well, I'm told this is the case. No, you were told this is the case because this is the case. This money that uh, <clears throat> is the supposed look, this $6 billion, it's essentially being held in escrow. It's essentially being held in escrow. The Iranian, Iranians don't have access to the money. The Hamas does not have access to the money. The U.S. Treasury Department holds the purse strings on that money. It's a little bit of a weird situation that I don't understand completely. But um, nobody's, like, the, the, no terrorists are like withdrawing from that, pulling out uh, money from that account. Up next. We got a White House spokes, a spokesman, uh, John Kirby of Versus Fox News. All right. So uh, the president, uh, the White House called a lid on, on the president at 1146 a.m. this morning. Given what is going on, John, why would that be? Well, Malid means that he doesn't have any more public-facing events. It doesn't mean that the president's not working, and he absolutely is working. Uh, he had a, uh, another update this morning with his national security team. He stayed updated throughout the day. Uh, he's going to be talking to foreign leaders later this afternoon. Uh, there'll be a public component to that in terms of at least making it clear what that conversation was like and, and what the details of it were. We'll be putting that out and making sure people know uh, what that conversation was all about. Is the president at the is, White House right now, John? Staying. He is indeed. Yes. All right. So why why put a lid on today? It, you know, I mean, there would, might be multiple opportunities when he might want to come out and address. Why them. put a lid? Um, he's got work to do. He's not going to give a speech every three hours. I don't. This is stupid. There are plenty of legitimate criticisms of President Joe Biden, but he's staying in the office today to do work. And we're sad about it is not one. 
of what's going on. Given this urgent situation, you've got American hostages in Israel and nine Americans dead. So doesn't that seem like a little odd to do on a, on a Monday? Uh, a lid, again, is an administrative decision about whether or not there's a scheduled public event uh, after the fact. Okay. Uh, but obviously, lids can be lifted. Lids can be changed. You know that. You've covered the White House. Uh, I don't have any public... Like, why the, why the fuck are they worried? He's not going to give another statement today. So fucking what? Speak to today, mm -hmm. I can assure you and I can assure the American people that the president is staying up to date, has been throughout the, the, the extent of this crisis and will continue to do so going forward. And again, part of his uh, plan this afternoon is to get on the phone with foreign leaders and, uh, and talk to them about what's going on in Israel. Like, why, like why was this news that the... The uh, I, I suppose they're talking about maybe he had already made a statement that day. And so they're like, well, why won't he come out and make more statements? I don't know. He's got fucking shit to do, man. I presume the president has shit to do other than going out and talking to the press. I'm not an expert, but I presume that, that they has shit to do. He has uh, probably bad decisions to make related to this conflict and needs to make them now. Here, we're going to move on now um, away from that crap um i do want to uh, i said something uh, during the post game and i'm going to say it like during the podcast um we're not going to talk much about the conflict uh in uh, israel and gaza because i don't know enough about the matter to speak with any kind of authority on it please do uh follow authoritative sources and be very skeptical of what appears to be on the ground video that you see on twitter because there have already been images of california wildfires that i've seen that people were claiming was destruction on one side or the other. And those were clearly pictures from California wildfires. So be careful where you get your information. And unfortunately, I don't know about this enough to weed through it for you and get you good information. So we're going to move on to the battle for house speaker. Um, this is a uh, Nancy Mace, I believe. Yeah, I believe this, this is Nancy Mace. And uh, she's going to say that that there are Democrats who trust uh, Gymnasium Jordan. She's going to say that on the Jake Tapper show. And as he generally does an okay job of, he's going to ask a pretty reasonable follow-up question. Uh, Tom Cole or Tom Emmer, who are some of the other possible uh, individuals who you think maybe could get to 217? Well, I think Jim Jordan is not out of the mix. I've talked to a lot of people who still support him. I've actually talked to Democrats who, who trust him at his word. I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Jim Jordan? I, yes. <laughs> Just fucking dumbfounded by this lady talked to Democrats over the last week on who do they trust, even though they wouldn't agree with him on many issues. He is someone the Jim can, Jordan from Ohio. Oh, yes. The Jim Jordan from Ohio. <laughs> Democrats in Congress. Yes, they can work with him. And those that name I one Democrat to, from Congress that trusts Jim Jordan people off the record. They trust him more than they trust the former speaker in my private conversations with Democrats. I will say that um, I will. These Democrats, they go to a They go to a different Congress. You can't meet them. <laughs> I had these conversations. We were in a we were in a hipster coffee shop. This is all off the record. Uh, it's all off the record, Jake. I can't help you with that. And uh, here's uh, Nancy Mace. I believe maybe even from the same interview. Looks like the same interview here. Uh, talking about why she will not be supporting uh, Steve Scalise. And I mean, she has a fairly decent uh, reason for uh, not supporting Steve Scalise. Um, you endorsed uh, Jim Jordan, so I'm assuming you voted for Jim Jordan today. If the vote 
for Speaker Ward today, would you vote for Steve Scalise? I would not. I plan on voting for Jim Jordan on the floor. Um, I've been very vocal about this over the last couple of days. I personally cannot in good conscience vote for someone who attended a white supremacist conference and compared himself to David Duke. I would be doing an enormous disservice to the voters that I represent in South Carolina if I were to do that. So this is a, a reference to in 2002, Scalise spoke before an extremist group founded by uh, David Duke called the European American Unity and Rights Organization in 2015 when this was first reported. Scalise said it was a, quote, group whose views I wholeheartedly condemn. Uh, it was a mistake I regret and I emphatically oppose the divisive uh, racial and religious views groups like these hold, unquote. Uh, is this the main reason why other Republicans are concerned about Scalise? I can't believe that Marjorie Taylor Greene would be upset about this. Well, she mentioned his health as a reason that she was not supporting him. There are others that don't understand what the path is moving forward on spending bills or a continuing resolution. There are others with me that have, that represent districts that would not support someone who attended those kinds of events in the past. And so, you know, also as a woman, I have grave concerns as a woman in balancing the, the you know, protecting life and protecting women's rights. And so we were supposed to have this vote today at 3 p.m. on the floor. That vote has not happened because he does not have the votes. It's the number that I'm seeing is far higher than 12 will not be voting for him on the first round. But if we're going to have this, the American people want us to get back to work. Let's have this debate on the floor. Let's move forward. Let's find someone who can bring us all together and let's get back to work. We have a very divided world right now when I see what's happening in Israel. Um, we want someone, I want someone who's going to be a leader and bring our country together. Yeah, somebody in chat said, I believe Scalise said that he's David Duke without the baggage. He said it a long time ago. And, um, People change, but I don't think Steve Scalise changed much. I don't, you know, some other people change. I'm not sure about Steve Scalise so much. We'd have to take a look at his voting record and the things he said since then. Probably not great. Probably not great. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I disavow, as little Nikki Fuentes always says. Just say that you disavow and then don't change your behavior. It's fine. Up next, we got um, one Mr. Steve Bannon appearing much earlier on the docket than he usually does. And uh, here's Steve Bannon's take on why Scalise should not be the Speaker of the House. Moments ago, Jim Jordan came out, and I think he said he's going to, he's endorsing uh, Steve Scalise, just in case there was any non-clarity of that. Of course, Scott Perry followed that, but said he would never vote for anybody that uh, kept the status quo. Steve Scalise's um, speakership run is in extremis right now. The number is 202-225-3121. This audience, uh, if you're so inclined, call your congressman right now and give them a piece of your message. Steve Scalise is just a, um, a watered-down version, uh, a, a, a not quite as slick a version of Kevin McCarthy, completely owned by the lobbyists. It's just D.C. cartel uh, with a less slick um, front porch. It cannot happen to be a disastrous speakership. Scalise and anybody that thinks of running for speaker, in fact, Jake Sherman, I think Jake Sherman's got a tweet out, or, or um, um, Manu over at CNN. It's quite perceptive. And the tweet talks about the, if, if Scalise moves up, about the uh, majority leader race, where you have uh, Emmers and Hearn and maybe Stefanik. Uh, you throw Jordan into that mix, that's really the speaker's race. It's it's completely open 
today because Scalise is not going to get there. And I think you're going to see mounting uh, more mounting uh, opposition. There's about 20 votes against right now. Yeah, none of them are going to get it. There, this whoa, whoa this fucking haunted studio. The lights be flashing in here. Anyway, um, none of them are going to get it because the, the the Republican caucus is a shit show. So it's it's going to be a fun thing to watch because I think one of the one of the possible scenarios is that one of the moderates goes and makes a deal with the fucking Democrats, and that and and they'll get. 15 20 republican votes and then all the democrat vote democratic votes and people will be a fucking livid and i am here for it i don't think that's the most likely scenario but it is not out of the realm of possibility and i think that that would be a lot of fun to watch i think watching this this whole thing implode would be fan fucking tastic so up next, we got uh, Stephen Miller uh, versus Woke, because, of course, Stephen Miller is opposed to Woke. Stephen Miller is a terrifying individual that should have n- should never have been close to power and should never be near power again. If you, if you don't vote in the 2024 election, you have no other reason to vote. If you don't feel that it's worthwhile to vote, understand that you could vote against the possibility of Stephen Miller being anywhere near any kind of power ever again. This is our lawsuit against Progressive Insurance Company for illegal racial discrimination. Here's our lawsuit against the National Archives that have exposed thousands of damning documents and emails implicating Joe Biden in a massive corruption scheme. Here's our lawsuit against the FBI and Department of Justice as part of our investigation into their censorship of free speech. Here's our lawsuit against the FTC as part of our investigation into the illegal targeting of Elon Musk. Wait, what? Here's our lawsuit against the leaders of Washington State for pushing gender conversion on our children. Here's our lawsuit against Mark Zuckerberg's meta, also for engaging in illegal racial discrimination. Yeah, well, those lawsuits are going to get thrown out. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a Scientology strategy, right? To throw as many lawsuits as, as, at as many people as you possibly can. So it's really weird. Okay, so the, the Federal Trade Commission um, is has somewhat gone after Elon Musk, but if I'm not if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, the Securities and Exchange Commission is the one who's really looking for him right now. And but if like a regulatory body is going after somebody you like, I'm not sure you can stop them from doing that by suing them. <laughs> In fact, I'm not sure that's not a, I don't think it's going to work. I think you're just going to piss them off. Honestly, I don't really, I mean, I, the last, one of the last people in the world I want mad at me is like the fucking federal trade commission. My God, they're like unelected and they have some fairly sweeping power. Here's uh George Santos. I don't know what he's talking about on this. I just saw a clip of George Santos. I'm like, yep, we're going to put the clip of George Santos right here at this part of the docket. What you saw there in that open of yours, Steve, was me reaching my tipping point when this man tells me, F your F that baby. What about the babies in 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 Palestine? Are you kidding me? I don't care. Palestine and Gaza, they've been brewing hate and fomenting terrorism for decades. They breed hate. Whoa, that's some pretty eliminationist rhetoric there. <clears throat> Those are human beings. You may not like Hamas. You may not like uh, the religion of Islam, but those are fucking human beings. 
And I don't know what the context of that was, but that guy's terrifying. Here's the host of uh, Real America's Voice. Uh, he's mad because we're uh, because people are talking too much about Hamas and the Likud party and Benjamin Netanyahu and Israel and Palestine and the Middle East, and they're not talking about Hunter's laptop. And this is on purpose. It's as if the media is OCD. They can only focus on one story at a time. Now, I understand Israel is most certainly an important story to cover. So is the Islamic Jihad. But that doesn't mean you give up on investigating Biden corruption. Oh, wait a second. The mainstream media has never investigated Biden corruption. <laughs> he thinks OCD is when you can't when you can only think about one thing at once. Uh, I know he's using it colloquially, but that's, that's also funny. Like usually these guys do a, like these videos from like them driving their truck. This guy did it while he was out on a jog, which is like a whole new look, honestly, whole new look here. Um, <clears throat> uh, thank you to Kikyo from our chat. Who's been staying um, up on this story. This is Ryan waters. He is the um, superintendent of schools for the state of Oklahoma, and um, he hasn't been, uh, well, let's just say Oklahoma hasn't been sending their best as far as uh, state superintendents. And we're having a hard time getting this video to play. It's not from, uh, it's not from Twitter, but it is from a, a local news website. And local news websites are essentially the bane of my existence. So um, I can tell you real quick what this story is about. He's uh, he's been getting some blowback, and the local news has been covering it in um, in Oklahoma. He has uh, said that uh, the schools at the schools they should be praying for Israel, which is probably not something you should be uh, instructing the schools to do. And then he provided a sample prayer uh, for the the school children to pray. Um, I think that's you know some government overreach, and that guy's a real piece of shit. Sorry, we couldn't get that clip to play. Sometimes the local news uh, websites just don't have the best player. Uh, but we're definitely keeping an eye on that. And shout out to Kikyo in our chat for uh, keeping a very close eye on what's going on in Oklahoma. And the school is in Oklahoma. Everybody, we're only 34 minutes. We're not going to have a long pod tonight at all. Uh, we're 34 minutes in and we already have our palate cleanser. This is fucking adorable. This is, um, well, it's a, I guess it's a bird rave. I've never seen a bird rave before, but this is in fact a bird rave. Um, what's amazing right here, that's the exact piece of equipment I DJ on. <laughs> this is a Pioneer DDJ SX performance DJ controller. Although this might be the second generation, I use the first generation, but here is, um, here's our palate cleanser. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was great. Thank you. I believe Allie Drew found that uh, as our palate cleanser. Thank you. Thank you, Allie Drew. I would go to that bird rave. That looks like a lot of fun. That bird was like live sampling the kick drum and everything. Very, very good. Very good DJing, Mr. Bird. Very good DJing. Here is, <coughs> this is from a 
right wing watch, I believe. And this is um this is the um AFPI. And this is uh my lights are going out again, that's weird. This is uh to laying the groundwork for the next America First administration, and they're gonna talk about control of the administrative state. And as always, shout out to Right Wing Watch. Could not do the show without you. Make no mistake, these operational shortcomings speak to our virtues as America First conservatives. An ordinary conservative won't helm a welfare state boondoggle operation because he is offended by the squandering of tax dollars and because he or she is opposed on principle to the welfare state. But the self-inflicted prohibition does not extend in both directions. An ordinary leftist, by contrast, has no problem joining and leading an organization with conservative ends. That's because he understands, if only instinctually, that he can subvert it, he can hinder it, or better yet, turn it fundamentally toward progressive and leftist ends. This mechanism unfolds time and again, and always to the left's advantage and always well outside the vision of the American founders and their understanding of civic equality and self-governance. But conservative candidacies are starting to figure out that we too can organize. We too can engage legal methods of ballot harvesting. We too are realizing that we can leverage a legal regime meant for enforcing inequality to advance the protection of the left's own disfavored classes. Most important, and again, the reason we're here today, is America First conservatives had figured out that we too can seize control of the administrative state and use it while also dismantling it for the proper ends of government and most importantly for our people. All this really is revolutionary and I don't use that word lightly. What we're doing is ideologically revolutionary. An America first takeover of the administrative state, operationally revolutionary, an America first confrontation against anti-conservative institutions and strategically revolutionary seizing control of a century of labor on behalf of the American people. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is um, just dominionism, right? They want dominion. They want uh, control over the administrative state. They uh, have been recently trying to gain control of the schools uh, to, to mixed results. We've seen places where they've absolutely taken control of the schools and we've seen places where the community has kind of fought back. Um, <clears throat> all of that you can, kind of follow our coverage of that most Tuesdays on um, after down ballot, we do public comment. However, uh, not this week. We're off this week. I'm going to go out. So I'm not sure this next thing is what uh, most people mean when they say uh, pray for Israel, but we'll see here again. This is from right wing watch. Shout out to right wing watch. Great website you got here, Twitter. So I'm not Jewish, but as a Gentile and a believer in Christ, I've been grafted into the promise given promises given to the Jewish people by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because from the Jews came our Bible, from the Jews came our Messiah. We owe them a great debt, and now we must pray for them as a nation. 
and God gave them this land that they're in as a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And they have every right to defend themselves from this evil that has come upon them like a violent storm from hell itself. Scripture tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We should do that together. And I pray for a great spiritual awakening that will sweep the Holy Land and that many of our Jewish friends will turn to God and his son, Jesus Christ. I stand by Israel and the Jewish people. Okay, so there's a couple things going on in there. People who are like astute observers of religious bat shittery will have seen the first one. That was that end time shit. He had that end time shit in what he was saying, right? He's like, oh, well, the Bible says, well, they mean the fucking end of the world is going to happen and it's going to happen in uh, Jerusalem. And the second thing was just uh, maybe our Jewish friends will uh, just change their religion because I think they should, which is, uh, dare I say, anti-Semitic. <laughs> um, that is anti-Semitism. That is unabashed anti-Semitism, suggesting that the people have the wrong religion because they're Jewish and don't worship Jesus Christ is, in fact, that is anti-Semitic. Interesting that he uh, <clears throat> wrapped his anti-Semitism in the uh, flag of the nation state of Israel, which is not a, not a bad strategy, actually, because people get a little confused about the difference between Judaism and the nation state of Israel. In fact, uh, there's a lot of people who rely on that. It is part of their, their plan, part of their, part of their uh, set of talking points. So up next, uh, this guy, uh, Tim Ballard, it, if you remember, we uh, fired or Austin Bennett ruled uh, Jim Caviezel, who was the actor in. Um... Oh, God, what was the name of the movie? Now I forgot it already. Uh, anyway, he's this guy's the uh, Operation Underground Railroad and the governor of Utah. Has uh, kind of weighed in on this Tim Ballard guy who has been accused uh, credibly, it seems, of uh, sexual assault. Which is interesting because his uh, uh, Sound of Freedom movie was about um, trafficking and his tireless fight against trafficking or something. Utah Governor Spencer Cox is weighing in on the controversy surrounding Operation Underground Railroad founder Tim Ballard. And what we do know, Ballard is under scrutiny over his time leading the anti-trafficking organization. He also received a rare public rebuke from his own church. Daniel Woodruff is live at the Capitol. And Daniel, what did the governor say about all of this? Well, Governor Spencer Cox says he doesn't know Tim Ballard well. He only met him once, but that he's deeply troubled by these allegations against him, specifically that Ballard was accused by seven women of sexual misconduct before he left Operation Underground Railroad. No, you don't say. Though, uh, of several different women are, are incredibly disturbing and, and just awful. And, and if true, uh, just unconscionable. Vice News has reported extensively on Tim Ballard, who is the subject of the movie Sound of Freedom and is rumored to be considering a run for the U.S. Senate here in Utah. <laughs> Ballard has denied the allegations of sexual misconduct. He's also claimed that evil people are working to oppose his anti-trafficking work. But last week, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, of which Ballard is a member, issued a statement rebuking him for using the name of a high-ranking church leader to further his conduct that the church called, quote, morally unacceptable. 
I know there was a lot of pushback, like, did this really come from the church? Did it come from a rogue spokesperson? Uh, I, I, I reached out to the church personally uh, and, uh, and, and was assured that that did come from the church, that it had been vetted through all the normal church processes. Now, Tim Ballard insists he's a member of the church in good standing. Meanwhile, Operation Underground Railroad has said that Tim Ballard is no longer affiliated with them in any way as of earlier this summer and that they do not tolerate sexual harassment or discrimination. Live at the Capitol, Daniel Woodruff, KUTV 2 News. <clears throat> so what's, it's super important that, that you and, and anybody, like if anybody starts talking about this stuff, that you be very skeptical of people who are, I'm going to say like celebrity anti-trafficking people. There are good organizations out there who do tireless and oftentimes difficult and emotionally taxing work to help victims and help uncover these, these rings. But most of those people aren't like on a fucking movie tour. Most of those people aren't out there telling you all about their work all the time. As soon as somebody starts telling you about that, you start seeing them on TV and shit, and they're fucking getting popular talking about it. You need to be incredibly skeptical of that person because they're probably monsters. Bridget Todd from those No Girls on the Internet did a great episode about Ashton Kutcher's um, anti-trafficking group, and um, I, it is required listening. Actually, no, I don't suggest it. It is required listening. Um, here's a fake historian, David Barton. Uh, just gonna blame slavery on in the United States on progressives. And as always, shout out to Right Wing Watch. There's a really interesting map that came out in 1888. This is a map that was used in public schools and it talked about the two colonies founded in America. You see at the bottom colony, 1619 Project, well that was founded in 1607, but that's what 1619 Project points to is Jamestown and then 1620 is the Pilgrims. Now, if you can see where that ship is down by 1619 Jamestown, there's a circle there right by that ship, and it's a little hard to read, you gotta get close, but there's a circle right there. And when you get close, if you can see what it says, it says Mammon. What is Mammon? Money. Ah, this is a colony founded on money. Economic colony. Mm -hmm. And look what came out of that colony avarice and lust and ignorance and superstition and rebellion and secession and, and you, you got things like so the, the South. Scott decision, Kansas Nebraska Act, the, all these negative things, that's what swept across the South. That's where the, the biggest slavery thing was and that impact of Jamestown spread all throughout that area and it was not a biblical impact, it was a money impact. That's what motivated them to do what they did. Now, if you look at the top one, and by the way, recall that these were professing Christians. All the bad things they did, they were still professing Christianity. But when you go to that top one, you see that top one up there? Can you see what it says on the end out there? You see the circle? It says Bible. So that's the colony. This is a public school map in 1888. This is the one founded in the Bible. And look at all the good things there. Intelligence, obedience to law, equal rights. <laughs> it says it right there on the map. Benevolence, happiness, patience, charity, faith, hope, peace, honor, truth, virtue. All that good, that's what swept across the nation. That's what characterized America was what came out of the pilgrims, not what came out of Jamestown. What came out of Jamestown is what characterized the 11 states in the South that became the Confederacy. What came out of the Bible is what characterized the rest of the nation that stopped that stuff. What? And so that's a big difference between the two, and they were biblical 
Christians. And so the, the difference between that two, biblical Christians, professing Christians makes a big difference. As you look at Jamestown, there's not a whole lot to be said positively about them. They were very elitist. Uh, they were very socialistic. They were pro-slavery. They were definitely big government and they were very group conscious. That's the way progressives are. <laughs> I mean, they were group conscious, but you know, not in the way maybe that we think of uh, uh, identity politics today. They were group conscious in which, which group are we going to oppress and how? <clears throat> Most of these people uh, claim to be Christians, and I am not here to Christ check anybody, so it is what it is. Here is uh, Gordon Klingenschmidt, who hasn't been on our docket in a very long time. Um, he's going to talk about the dangers of cannabis use. The Bible condemns this, and I know that someone's going to quote Genesis about seed-bearing plants. Well, not the psychotropic kinds, because those make you drunk. And the Bible clearly condemns Old Testament and New Testament, the consequences of drunkenness. The Bible says in Galatians 5, for example, there may be hell involved for you drunks. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions. Jealousies, outbursts, wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, drunkenness, there it is, revelries, and the like. But what's the consequence of that drunkenness and revelry? Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Marijuana has a permanent consequence. And it may be hell. <laughs> Smoke weed, go to hell, everybody. Just uh, thought, thought I'd let you know that. That Klingenschmidt guy, he was like a former congressman and stuff. He's crazy. He's fucking out of his mind. It's just that like most of the stuff he says is such kind of boring, like religious claptrap that we, we don't usually run it just because it's boring religious claptrap. But that one was pretty good. It, weed makes you drunk and drunkenness you can you can't inherit, inherit the, the kingdom of god but also like isn't built into his religion that if you repent you can just go to heaven anyway whatever got a couple rfk jr uh things uh, if anybody is not aware rfk jr has announced his plan to run now as an independent not as a democrat um and here is part of his uh campaign event I need my speech. Uh, you, can, you can't read anything. You can't read anything. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's it's upside down. Upside down. It's upside down. Like we always say when we cover these kinds of events, this is what happens when union pe when you don't hire union people to do your AV stuff. Hire union people to do your AV stuff, and you won't have to deal with your speech not being on the on the fucking teleprompter or it being upside down or any of that shit. Hire union people. 
Here's our RFK Jr. Uh, going on the Hannity show, and it seems like uh, Hannity has uh, ambushed uh, RFK Jr. here. Because here's, what's, here's what I think is going to happen. Um, <clears throat> I think the, the Republican talking heads are going to fucking get mad at him. Like all the ones that like were kind of like embracing him when he was running against Biden, now that he's announced to run as an independent, they're going to get mad at him. Because I don't think he's going to peel no votes off of Joe Biden. But he might peel some votes off of whoever the Republican nominee is. You're pretty liberal. You, you know, you've called for curbing, logging, oil drilling, uh, fracking. You wanted to eliminate it. You called it a victory for democracy. You want to curb U.S. fossil fuel extraction. Keep it in the ground, you once tweeted. You want a ban on fossil fuel extraction, a ban on fracking. You called the NRA once a terror group. You've supported over the years Democrats, Gore, Kerry, Obama, Hillary, You've praised Bernie Sanders multiple times. You support affirmative action. So why is this party of yours, why didn't they even want to allow you to compete? Because that's as pretty liberal of a record as anybody I know. Well, there was a, you see, sir, there's a republic, there's an incumbent president uh, in the party that I was trying to run in. And historically, we don't have debates and all that stuff. We don't do any of that. Usually, when there's an, an incumbent president, almost always when there's an incumbent president, the party just kind of falls in line behind him. And I, sir, am trying to grift off of this. And my grift will come to an end very soon if I continue to run as a Democrat. <laughs> you have a litany of talking points from uh, statements I've made over 40 years. Uh, some of them are stale, uh, some of them I never said. Um, but, you know, what is your question? Why the Democratic Party, why I'm not running at the Democratic Party? Uh, you know, well, why, I, why did they I, kick I, you I out? Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I, uh, by the way, I'm, I'm think, giving... I don't think they kicked him out of the Democratic Party. You comments that you made in 2016, 17, 19 uh, endorsements. We know the years Gore, Kerry, Obama, Hillary, Bernie Sanders. They're all recent quotes. The NRA quote you made about calling them a terror group was 2018. So these are these are recent positions you've had that I'm not sure why the Democratic Party wouldn't allow you what to do compete. You, do you want to do, do uh, talk about my position, Sean? Yes, or? sir. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to read talking points from the Trump campaign. Well, excuse and me. I, these are know, not talking think, points. These are called Hannity points. I do my own research. No, but I saw that same list published this morning by the Trump campaign. It's the exact same list. This is going to be great. It's going to be great. <clears throat> the, <laughs> the Republican establishment knows that this guy is going to peel votes off of whoever their nominee is. The Republican establishment that doesn't want Trump is probably actually more afraid of this guy, right? Because if it's like DeSantis or Ramaswamy, or I don't think he would peel, uh, even if it was Chris Christie, he's going to peel votes off of those people, right? Because their whole thing is that the government overreached during COVID. That's going to be a big talking point, even though most of the time their guy was the president. Um, but that's still going to be like one of their big talking points. And so if this guy's running as an independent and he's running on those talking points, he's going to peel off. He's going to peel off more vote, more voters from the, from the Republican nominee than from Joe Biden. It's just that's just what's going to happen, and it's going to be amazing. And they're going to get so mad. They're going to get so fucking mad.
and I'm here for it. Again, as as the Republican House uh, caucus falls apart, I'm here for it. And as they lose their minds because this guy is running as an independent, I'm also here for it. So, uh, but don't worry, we have a new uh, challenger uh, in the uh, Democratic primary. Somebody who I don't even think is fucking eligible to run for president because uh, I think he was born in Turkey. Anyway, here's uh, Cenk Uger talking about his, uh, <laughs> I guess, his presidential run. So the idea is to create enough pressure on Biden. And here's how you get the pressure. One of the ways you get the pressure is everybody thinks that I have almost no chance of winning, right? Well, let's keep it real. Everybody knows that, right? They're like, oh, your name is funny. You weren't born here. You're a progressive. You're an outsider, et cetera, et cetera, right? If I get to 20 or 25. Wait, the, the second one, I don't think you're eligible to run. Oh. Five. Oh, somebody in chat just let me know. Jenks' uh, mother was an American citizen. Okay, never mind. He's a yeah, he's he's eligible to run then. Panic sets in. There's no question. Panic sets in because there's two things that happen there. One, the other candidates go. Well, Biden is enormously weak, right? Number two is Biden begins to realize the handwriting's on the wall. If this Jenk Uger, who probably he probably can't pronounce, has gotten to 25, the handwriting's on the wall. He's gotta go. And by the way, Anna. The reason why this is realistic is because there are a lot of people in Washington inside the establishment that are trying to get Joe Biden to drop out. We need to help them. We need to create that pressure. Okay, let me jump in. So we have some disagreement in the chat as to whether or not Jenk is eligible. My understanding is that he was ineligible because he was not born a United States citizen. I could be wrong, and there's some disagreement in chat, so we're not maybe not going to litigate that right now, but. Let's say that let's say that he is eligible. He's going to get like one percent. Nobody's going to vote for him. He does not have the the political machine behind him that RFK Jr. had behind him. And RFK Jr. wasn't wasn't really polling so hot either. RFK Jr. The more people fucking learned about him, the less they were less inclined they were to say that they would vote for him. And I, I think I think I think Jenks just trying to grift here. I don't think <clears throat> I don't think he thinks that they're going to not run Joe Biden. I think it's getting starting to get pretty late in the game for anybody else that is um, that does have the political machine behind them to run. And um, I mean, we'll have to see what happens. Up next, we got uh, Charles Kirk, one Mr. Charlie Kirk. He is a Bible historian, apparently. What was the first murder in the Bible? Socialism. The first murder in the Bible was socialism. How often do you have a pastor tell you that? Two sacrifices, God likes one of them, doesn't love one of them, resentment, murder. All throughout the scriptures, you see envy. I want somebody else's stuff. I don't have it as good. Drive you to very evil and dark places. So if you think human beings are naturally great, then you think you can create heaven on earth. And that is the promise of socialism. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the shit he was talking about. Like, envy's bad, but that's, there was no socialism at the time of the Bible. It wasn't even like a political ideology at the time. So that's, you know. If you can imagine one Mr. Charles Kirk doesn't know what the shit he's talking about. We got a Tiny Dancer Ben uh, versus uh, Tucker Carlson, actually, which is going to be interesting. They didn't uh, have an interaction together on this, but uh, Tiny Dancer Ben apparently went after um, old Tuck Tuck here. And again, I, I want to add my voice to that because I'm a human being. 
But oh, sure you do. The you sound very outraged. The outrage among Republican presidential candidates was so much more intense. One of them took to a bullhorn and started yelling about it. I get it. But no one would think to do that about the yeah. 100,000 American young people murdered every year. And they because who are you yelling at? Who are you yelling at? First of all, people are on bullhorns yelling about drug overdoses and the open border all the time. All the time. What is he even talking about? Is Ben Shapiro broken? He's freaking what out. He's attempting to minimize what happened in Israel. He's not attempting to maximize what happened in the United States. He's attempting to minimize as though America can't walk and chew gum morally speaking at the same time, which is absurd. And those two things are nothing alike. I'm sorry, that is not alike. It is not alike for drug smugglers to smuggle drugs over the border, which someone then takes and shoves into their arm and then they dive in overdose. That is not the same thing. I promise you, it is not the same thing as a terrorist breaking into your home and murdering your children in their beds in front of you and dragging your wife off to be raped in Gaza. That is not the same thing. Pretending that it is, is immoral. it's a moral blight. It's idiocy. It's just moral stupidity at the highest level. Of course we should care about what happens with fentanyl. Of course we should care about, uh, we should close our border. Have I been unclear about this? Of course America should have closed borders when it comes to this sort of stuff. I'm on the same side as Tucker on that. I just don't understand why he's not on my side when it comes to Hamas has to be wiped off the face of the earth. What is... Whoa, dude, Ben, you're, you're freaking out, man. You're freaking out. Um, I'll let him fight. I don't know, like... <clears throat> I don't think Tucker would say that... that Hamas shouldn't be wiped off the face of the earth. I just think he was saying that something else is more important because Tucker is a nationalist. Tucker doesn't give a Tucker's not an internationalist. Tucker will say that he supports Israel, but he don't give a shit. He just says that because that's like part of the 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 character the character that he's supposed to be playing, right? In the end, he doesn't care about it because he's a, a, a nationalist first. He that is what he is, and I can't believe that Ben Shapiro is surprised by that. Um. And uh, that's that's my take on that. Here is um, this is the Daily Wire C team one, Mr. Michael Knowles, and he is going to talk about uh, Trump. Uh, we have a race for the House. Speaker. He's going to talk about Trump being uh, not only uh, the Speaker of the House, but then possibly, I guess, uh, joining the Supreme Court. On right now, this information is going to become outdated the moment I say it. In fact, even in real time as I'm speaking, it's probably all changed. But the way the race is set up, uh, you've got. Uh, Jim Jordan, a favorite of conservatives, and Steve Scalise, who conservatives also like, but he's a little bit less conservative, and he's been in House leadership a little bit, a little bit longer. He's been on the leadership track, unlike Jim Jordan, who is chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Uh, there is a behind-closed-doors kind of debate conversation with the two candidates, so they're going to hash out their differences. This is not meant for the public because the public doesn't vote on the House Speaker. It, the House Speaker is elected by the members of Congress, so they, they had that last night. Uh, according to DW Nominate, which is not run by us, sadly, but it's, it's a metric that political scientists sometimes use to gauge people's political views. According to that, uh, Jim Jordan is the more conservative candidate. The first dimension of DW Nominate describes how liberal or conservative the members are. And then the second dimension reveals uh, how closely aligned the members are with the establishment. So those are, those are not synonymous issues. Uh, yeah, it's like, an XY, it's like an XY graph, dude. Kind of relevant. So according to DW Nominate, the average Jordan backer is more conservative than 69% of House Republicans. So all in all, pretty, pretty solid you know, not more conservative than 99%, not total rock rib Attila the Hun style, but 
more conservative than most House Republicans. That's a pretty good sign. And more anti-establishment than 73% of them. That's a good sign. Scalise's average supporter is more conservative only than a 37% of the GOP membership. That's not a good sign. That's And Scalise's average supporter is more anti-establishment than just 30% of the GOP caucus. So that's not good. Uh, Scalise is fine. He, he would probably be better than some previous speakers that we've had. I really like Jim Jordan. I think he, he could be a good speaker. The only reason I hesitate to endorse him is one speaker is always going to disappoint you because they've got a rank, uh, they've got a herd cats with that Republican conference. But two, it's a, it's the worst job in Washington and I wouldn't wish it on a good guy like Jim Jordan. So it's, it has nothing to do with his behavior as a gymnasium Jordan. Uh, the other thing is it could also be McCarthy. So if Scalise and Jordan are not able to get a clear win here and with a razor thin majority for Republicans, you know, the Democrats might end up picking the speaker, which is one of the reasons that it was a little bit risky to to oust Kevin McCarthy. It could be McCarthy, too. McCarthy said he's not going to run for it again, but he might just get elected. He might, you know, campaign behind the scenes or say that he'd be willing to do it. And then he could just wind up the speaker again. There's there's one other option which is the one that I know we're all holding out for. Not because it would necessarily be the most effective thing or uh, conducive to conservative policy, but it would certainly be the funniest, and that is Speaker Trump. Uh, Donald Trump has suggested that he might consider being a temporary speaker. The man does not want to be the actual Speaker of the House, and he doesn't want to be the Speaker of the House because he's running for president and he's up 50 points on his opponents, and I'm not sure he can win the general, but he, he's almost certainly going to lock up the GOP nomination. And so he says, I want to be speaker when I could get the real job. Uh, but he has suggested he might be willing to step in temporarily. I think this would be great. I strongly encourage this, even if it's only for five seconds, because Do Donald Trump is a world historic figure. <laughs> Whether you love him or hate him, he's just different from the other presidents that we've had before. And so it would be very charming if he could be the president and the speaker of the house. And then what he has to do, and I don't know if the timing will work, but if he does somehow manage to make it back to the white house, he's got to nominate himself for the Supreme court so that he can have served in all three branches of government. Wait, ideally what? for uh, chief justice, I not again, not because he's qualified to be on the Supreme court, not because he's necessarily the best choice for speaker I do think he was an excellent president, but really just because it would be super duper funny. And I would really enjoy that. Do we know if this guy's 15 minutes is almost up? Because I hope this guy's 15 minutes is almost up. This guy, <clears throat> his political analysis is dumb. <clears throat> He's, he doesn't get like freaked out about weird shit like Tiny Dancer Ben does over there at the uh, Daily Wire. And uh, unlike our next clip that's of Matt Walsh, he, there's, there's like not like, I don't know, I don't even viscerally hate. Uh, Michael Knowles. I feel like Michael Knowles just kind of reminds me of the fire by reminds me of like fire by night. I feel like he, you know, the Tony Leach, AKA Scrooge on fire by night could have just turned out to be Michael Knowles, but actually Tony Leach turned out to be pretty fucking cool. But I think he's just a, yeah, somebody in chat called him a dweeb. He's just a dweeb. And I hope his 15 minutes is up. And I hope that fucking cue ball motherfucker, Andrew Clavin gets to be the uh, daily wire C team after him, because at least Andrew Clavin says, uh, at least Andrew Clavin is entertaining. Here's <clears throat> Matt Walsh talking about decolonization. This is actually our last clip on the uh, podcast portion of the show for this week. This is, and this, this is also, this is the way things usually work. 
the left comes up with some crazy theory and the right will object to uh, how that theory manifests itself and to you know how the left responds to this theory they've come up with. But as they object, they, they will still often accept the underlying premise itself. And you still see this with a lot of people on the right. When they hear about decolonization, now they might object by saying, well, we're not colonizers. Of course, colonizing is a terrible thing, but that's, it's, it's not true. We're innocent of that charge. And of course, we aren't colonizers just because we happen to live in the United States. But also, uh, we never should have accepted the premise that colonization... Wait a minute. <clears throat> yes, we are. Yes, we are. They, 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 it was literally referred to as the colonies when, when, we, when white people got here. It's some sort of inherently bad, evil thing. It's actually a ludicrous premise. No matter what leftists meant when they when they say that uh, you know they want to decolonize the West, the right should have opposed it on principle. That's because colonization historically has been a force for good uh, throughout the world. It was the process of introducing the rule of law, public health. Uh, oh no 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 no! To to certainly this entire hemisphere. That, that we're currently living on. As we've talked about uh, earlier in the week, before colonization, the natives were ripping the hearts out of children as offerings to their sun gods. I don't believe that. <clears throat> I don't believe that this was common practice. And of course, when I say natives, and I say that term, but uh, the tribes that lived on this continent when the conquistadors arrived were themselves not native to this continent. They came here and killed whoever was there first. But in any event, conquering them was the right decision for all of humanity. And, and it, it's just beyond dispute that we are all living much better lives now because of it. This is That's crazy. What colonization means in practical terms. It means you're, you're doing a lot better now than you would have if colonization had never occurred. And that's pretty clear. And after the massacres in Israel this week and the shameful and brazen response from many corners of the left... No serious person could dispute what decolonization means either. It refers to a genocidal ideology that we have let fester for far too long. And at this point, the stakes are obvious. Everybody promoting decolonization wants to murder civilians, not just in Israel, but in every civilized country on the planet. Don't ignore what they're saying. Understand that they are your enemy and the enemy of all civilized people. And that's why when, when they call you a colonizer, you should, you should tell them you're welcome. And oh. then you should prepare to defend yourself. So I actually don't know that much about decolonization. But what I do know is it was interesting when he said, oh, you know, we brought public health here. Uh, no, we brought uh, blankets. Uh, blankets, sir. We, we brought blankets. And those blankets were uh, <clears throat> the opposite of public health. They were a public unhealth. And that's just the first story that comes to my mind because he mentioned public health and that was the first thing I thought of was the blankets. Those were public unhealth. <clears throat> anyway, uh, that's been the podcast. We're a little short this week. Um, it is what it is. The show was originally supposed to be an hour, but then it ended up being two hours. Now this week it's uh, about an hour, 10, hour, five, hour, 10, something like that. Not bad. We're going to go into red light. If you are listening to the podcast version of the show, you can get the uh, entire audio and video capture at eplex.store by joining at any level or at patreon.com slash echoplex by joining at the $5 level or higher. 
If you don't have the money or don't really want to spend $5, you can just email me, echo at echoplexmedia.com. I'm not legitimately going to paywall an MP3 or an MP4 file from you over some $5. That would be weird. So this is Boomers by Periscope. I'm going to change the color of the lights in this room. And I'm going to change the content of my drinks. And the red light docket, well, it's fucking something this week. Not crazy like last week, but it's something this week. See everybody on the flip side.
goth DJs and Twitch witches are hanging out on Thursday for the bad VHS rips, unblinking eyes, and fire by night. Thetans and Satans comes from an interest in the cult of Scientology, moral panics, Satanism, and how they set the tone for the extremist social media panics of today. We really earn our weird left Twitch badge with this show, watching the world go red light in reverse every Thursday at 9 p.m. Pacific on twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com.